Hey, welcome to First Baptist Church Online. My name is Steve Polk. It's an honor to welcome you to our online broadcast. Our pastor is bringing a great message for us today as we look into Psalm 119, the blessings of God's Word. You know, we have a lot of, of blessings that we get to enjoy as believers, and, and particularly in, in our day and time, one of the great blessings that we get to enjoy is that we have such access to God's Word. We have tons of translations, so many languages uh, that have that have God's word that's been interpreted uh, into those native languages. And so it's such a privilege to have God's word. We're going to look at that this week. So uh, grab a notepad, grab your copy of scripture, and uh, and get ready to connect with what the pastor has to share with us uh, through his message this morning from Psalm 119. Let's pray. God, we thank you for all the many blessings that we do enjoy. Particularly today, we're thankful for the blessing of your word. Because with your word, it allows us to spend time with you personally and intimately to see your hand at work throughout time and history and, and even what you're doing into the future. To know that you're with us, how you have walked with each character that we get to read about in the Bible, uh, and that we get to apply that and understand that in our own life. Help us see your truth in the word today. In Jesus' name, amen. My mom is 85 years old, and she's been staying with us the past three weeks, visiting from Kentucky. And one of the blessings for me has been seeing my 85-year-old mom go on our screen porch every morning, take the Bible, God's Word, and sit there for several minutes reading it. She's done that for years, but to be able to see her for three weeks every morning go and do that has been a real blessing to me. And the truth is, all of us have things in our life that are a blessing, little things, big things, relationships, experiences. But sometimes we forget that the Bible, God's Word, is a tremendous blessing to us as disciples. Psalm 119 in your Old Testament is the longest chapter in the Bible, and it, it focuses on God's Word and what a blessing it is to us, and, and we're going to study that today. So go ahead and open your, your Bible to Psalm 119. I read about a, a young man named Arlo who got married, and his grandfather, who was a very devout follower of Jesus, purchased for Arlo and his wife a, a genuine leather Bible and had his name put on the front of it, their name actually, in, in gold lettering and gave it to him as a gift. But uh, Arlo never took it out of the box, put it up in the closet. Now, his grandfather kept asking Arlo, how did you like the Bible? Arlo's wife had... Uh, had sent a nice thank you letter to his, to, to his grandfather. They had told him face to face, thank you for the gift. But see, the grandfather knew Arlo had not been reading the Bible. So for months, he kept asking Arlo, how do you like your Bible? One day, Arlo got it out of the closet, took it out of the box, and he opened it to the beginning, to the book of Genesis, and he found a $20 bill. In fact, he found on the first page of each of the 66 books of the Bible a $20 bill. And so it all totaled up to $1,320 that had been waiting for him and his wife all these months in the Bible. But he'd been missing it because he had not opened God's Word. Psalm 119 is going to teach us there are so many blessings available to us when we study God's Word. And as I mentioned, it's the longest chapter in the Bible, 176 verses. So in our reading plan at First Baptist, I've divided it into five sections that we're going to read over this year and next year as part of our Bible reading plan. So this morning, 
Uh, I'm, I'm preaching from the first 11 verses of Psalm 119 about the blessings of God's word. And in particular, in these verses, we're going to see four very specific blessings that come to us. And the one is God's word helps bring happiness, contentment, joy to our life. Look with me in Psalm 119 at verses 1 and 2, please. The Bible says this, How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. Now he says twice in those verses how blessed are those who live according to the word of God, who read, engage with, and then base their life upon the teaching of God's holy word. The word blessed or blessed there has the idea of happiness, of a blessing, of being blessed, of being happy. And God's word teaches us how to think, how to live so that our life can be blessed and we can know joy and happiness. Because what he tells us in those two verses is that when you really live according to God's word and you read his word, it's like you have God talking to you all the time. He called them here God's testimonies. It's like God is saying, here's the truth. Here's what's going on. God is speaking to us and he personally instructs us. The law of the Lord there is not simply the law of Moses, but it's the entirety of God's instructions. So what he's saying is we are blessed and can be happy because God is speaking to us and giving us instructions on how to live. And when we follow those instructions, when we listen to what God says, life is better. There's more peace, there's more joy, and there's more happiness when we obey. That's the reason he says that the way, our way of living is blameless when we follow God. It's a a picture from the Old Testament of a, a person who had a lamb and they were going to offer it as a sacrifice to God. It had to be one without spot, without blemish, blameless. It couldn't be a lame one, a, a crippled one. It couldn't be a sick one. It had to be the very best. And what he's saying is that when you live your life listening to and following the instructions of God, therefore you're going to be blameless. You're not going to be crooked. You're not going to be lame. You're not going to be messed up. That makes life better. Happier. Since when we walk in it, our lifestyle, when we observe, when we observe, that's the idea of, of watching something so closely because you don't want to lose it. You want to keep it. You want to do it. You want to obey it. It's like you're driving and you're listening to your GPS give you instructions, but you still have to look for those intersections. You still have to look for those road signs. And, and what he's saying is God is speaking to us, giving us instructions, but we're looking, we're listening, we're paying attention so we can turn at the right time, so we can walk the right way, so we can live a blameless life. And, and uh, that leads to more peace and, and more happiness versus just, uh, just uh, walking aimlessly. Now, my wife, Monisa, when she's on her own, she, she keeps up with her car in the parking lot. But it's so funny. If we're together, we can be walking out of a, a movie theater. We can be walking out of the mall or any other location. And if she's in front of me, she'll walk out and she'll just start walking. And I'll say where you're going. And because uh, she, she, she doesn't worry about where the car is when I'm with her. She just walks. And, and uh, eventually she'd figure out she's going the wrong direction.
Some people live like that. You just walk through life aimlessly, not really thinking about where you're really going. But when you listen to the word of the the Lord and you, you pay attention and you obey it, you always end up at the destination he has for you. And that makes life happier and more blessed. So that's the first blessing is a happier, more blessed life. The second blessing of God's word of reading it, Obeying it, basing your life on it, is that it brings stability to your life. Stability to your life. Look with me at verses 3 and following in Psalm 119. He says this, They also do no unrighteousness. They walk in his ways. You have ordained your precepts. God, you have ordained your precepts that we should keep them diligently. Oh, that my ways may be established to keep your statutes. Then I shall not be ashamed when I look upon all your commandments. He says in verse um, in, in, in verse uh, verse 5, that my ways may be established. And, and the idea there is that your journey, your path, your way of living, your course of life is sure, it is firm, it is certain, it is reliable, and you can walk and live securely because you're basing your life on the truth of God's word. I'm not tripping through life. I'm not stumbling through life. I'm not falling down all the time. I'm not uncertain about life and my my purpose. And there's two reasons for that. One is the reliability of God's word itself. Your life can be stable when you when you when you stabilize it by obeying the word of God because God's word is reliable. He tells us in verse 4 that you have ordained your precepts. The, the mandates, the orders, the commandments, the instructions of God are, are ordained, meaning they are fixed, they are established, they are reliable. The point is this. As you're going through life Following the word of God, you don't have to worry about God changing the rules in midstream. God's not going to change what he says. He's not going to change his truth. God's word is consistent. It is dependable. It is reliable. And therefore, when you live your life on the basis of that, your life is reliable. Your life is stable. So one reason we have stability when we live our life in keeping with God's word is because what God tells us, his instructions are reliable, they are stable. But a second reason, we're not going to be doing things that bring shame and embarrassment on ourselves. Look at verse 6. He says, then I shall not be ashamed when I look upon all your commandments. It's the, it's the idea of, well, think of you look in the mirror and you see yourself. And sometimes you like what you see and other times we don't, right? What he's saying here is, 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 is as though we are, we are looking clearly at God's word. And we see everything. And when we see everything in God's word, we don't have a reason to be ashamed Because we've been living in obedience to his word. One of the reasons, I believe, some people don't read God's word, some people who go to church consistently don't read God's word during the week is because they know they're not obeying it. When you obey the word of God, when you keep it, you have no reason to be ashamed when you read it. And that brings stability to our lives. It just makes for a better life. They, they, the truth is they, they know this in communist countries. Communist China 
over the years has not been friendly to, to Christians. Now, there have been certain seasons when they've persecuted followers of Jesus more severely than others, but they've never really been friendly. And yet the church is growing in China. People are coming to faith, coming to Jesus. And there's this interesting story from the mid-1990s. There, there was one province in China that was just struggling with poverty, with with high crime, uh, a large percentage of the population was addicted to opium and everything the atheistic communist government did to address the issue failed. They just they just couldn't figure it out. And they were so fed up that the, the, the communist leaders noticed that in some of the villages in that Chinese province among the Lahu, uh, an ethnic minority that has a large Christian population within it, that they were not having those problems with addiction to opium. They were not having problems with high crime and poverty. And they studied them and they realized it was because of their Christian faith. So they decided to do an experiment. They were, they were desperate. They, they were at wit's end. And so what they did was they allowed some of these followers of Jesus to go into one particular village that was struggling and share their testimony, share the gospel. That one village had 240 residents and almost half of them were addicted to opium, which then led to the crime and the poverty and so on. After one year, 17 members of that village were followers of Jesus. After four years, 83 were followers of Jesus. And and the addiction to opium went down. Crime went down. Poverty went down. Prosperity increased. And gradually... In the late 90s and early 2000s, they continued that experiment by allowing these believers to go into other problem villages and share their testimonies and the gospel of Jesus and things got better. Now, today, 20 years later, the communist Chinese are again persecuting the believers in that area. But it's just interesting to me that even an atheistic, communistic government recognized that people who live obediently to Jesus and his teaching, his word, it changes their life. And that's what these verses are saying, that it brings stability to us, that it brings blessedness to us, that it brings happiness to us. Those are two of the blessings of God's word. Now, there's a third blessing, and it's really an outflow of that story I just told you. God's word, when we engage with it, acts as a safeguard in our life against sin. Look with me at verses 7 through 9. He says, I shall give thanks to you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I shall keep your statutes. Do not forsake me utterly. Now look at verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? How can a young man live a pure life? At the end of verse 9, by keeping it according to to your word, to God's word. Now look at verse 11. Your word I have treasured. I think the King James says, I have hidden or buried. I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Temptation can be strong. And as he alludes to in verse 9, sexual temptations can be very, very powerful. But he says, hiding God's word, 
Treasuring God's word in your heart gives you strength to say no to sin and yes to what is righteous and what is pure. There is no substitute. Listen, brothers and sisters, no substitute for you personally engaging with God's word on a consistent daily basis, applying it to your life, responding to what God says to you, drawing closer to Christ and allowing his word and his presence to transform you. You can listen to this sermon and God will help you and maybe inspire you or motivate you or correct you and that is good. You can go to a Sunday school class and a life group and you can learn some things about God's word and you can be encouraged and you need that. You should be in a life group. You should be in worship services. But I am saying to you, absolutely nothing will strengthen you spiritually as much as you not only attending worship, not only being in a life group or a Sunday school class, but you sitting down Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, so on with God's word, and you personally, personally engage with it, not just to learn stuff, but to encounter Jesus Christ and be changed. That will strengthen you as a Christian. So that you can say yes to righteousness and no to sin. It's like Billy Graham said once, when our minds are on Christ, Satan has little room to maneuver. I got a text message from a young man in one of my D groups earlier this week. Let me just share with you part of what he said. He said, being part of the D group has helped me be more consistent with my reading, talking about the Bible, and help me gain more confidence in sharing the gospel with others. And then he said, I have grown closer to Jesus, being in his word more, and trying to apply it to my life. That's one of the reasons I love our D group ministry at First Baptist, where we have four, five, six men, or four, five, six women in a small group, reading five chapters of God's word each week, following the reading plan we have here, writing in their journals what God is saying to them and how they are going to respond to what God is saying, memorizing one Bible verse a month praying for each other, encouraging each other, holding each other accountable for having gospel conversations. And just like this young man, God is using his word when people engage in it, not just to fill their head with information, but to meet Jesus and be changed. God is using it to strengthen them and to change their lives. It works as a safeguard against sin. A few years ago, there was a study of teenagers who had grown up in church. And they discovered that 95% of those teenagers said, yes, when we were growing up in church, we we were exposed to Bible stories. 92% of them said they were, yeah, we were taught about the lives of the great men and women of the faith in the Bible. 89% of them said we had fun experiences at church. But only half of them, only half of them said they learned how to apply God's word to their daily life when it came to making decisions. See, whether it's a youth group or an adult ministry, if all you are doing is sitting with God's word open and listening to someone preach, listening to someone teach, there's benefit in that. We are to do that. We need that. God uses it. But if that is all you do, you're not doing enough. 
You must engage with God's word yourself. Part of our vision at First Baptist is that every believer, every disciple, every member of this church be able to spiritually feed himself or herself. The Bible, God's word is our spiritual food and it makes us strong so we can say no to sin and yes to righteousness and to Jesus Christ. And I want you to be able to pick up the word of God on Monday and be fed as the Holy Spirit causes it to live in your life, in your soul, in your mind, and in your heart. It is a safeguard against sin. And so he tells us in verse 7, I will give thanks to you with uprightness of heart. God, I'm going to be rejoicing and have reason to rejoice when I learn your righteous judgments. When I know how to apply, God, your decisions, your instruction, what you say about Everything, it is a safeguard against sin when you engage God's word on a regular daily basis. And then there's one final blessing, the fourth one. It helps me stay close to God. Engaging with God's word on a daily consistent basis helps me stay close to Jesus Christ. In verse 2, how blessed are those who observe his testimonies who seek him. Who seek him with all their heart. Verse 10, with all my heart, I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Now, what's interesting is the connection between seeking God and the word of God. In verse 2, those who, who observe, who see and follow the instructions of your word, of your testimonies, O God. In verse 10, those who do not wonder stray from your commandments. You see, there's a connection between seeking God and engaging with God's word. It's one of the ways we do it. Not just to study, not just to learn, but to encounter Jesus Christ, to encounter the Lord who saved you and walks with you every day. Seek him, seek his presence by getting into his word and saying, oh Lord, speak to me today. Oh, God, help me today. Convict me. Encourage me. Guide me today because, God, I seek you in your face and I want to know you better. When he says in verse 2, seek him, and in verse 10, sought him, it's the same Hebrew word and it's the picture of, of wanting something so much that you go and look for it, you search for it until you find it. It's an intentional choice. And he says doing that keeps us from wandering away from God. See, I'm less likely to get distracted as a disciple. I'm less likely to lose my focus on Jesus Christ if I'm engaging with his word on a consistent basis. There was a a missionary with the Wycliffe Bible translators who in 1956 went into a, a village in the jungles, uh, in the jungle of the Philippines and uh, told the, the people there that he wanted to learn their language because he wanted to, to learn not only their language but how to write it so he could give them a copy of God's word and their own language in their heart language. 
He told them this God was the God of heaven and earth, the creator of the universe, the one who created them. He was more powerful than the demonic spirits that were causing them to be afraid, more powerful than their ancestor headhunters who had protected their village. And so they agreed to help him learn their language. After a few years, he had translated the gospel of Mark. He had developed a written, you know, been able to write down their language and he had translated the gospel of Mark and had a few copies of it, but he had to return to the States for a brief time. And he gave one of those copies of the gospel to a teenager named Nard that he had become close to. And, and after this, uh, missionary left. Nard was sitting on a rock out in, the, out in the jungle one day, and he was reading that copy of Mark's gospel. And, and he said he, he, he felt like he was actually there. He could see Jesus. He could see the disciples. He could see all the characters in the stories of Mark's gospel. But as he got further into it, and he gets over about chapter 13, he found himself starting to get angry. Here's this mob coming to arrest Jesus. What had he done? done nothing wrong. This mob arrests Jesus. He's beaten with a whip and he's nailed to a cross and, and Nard becomes angry because deep inside he wanted a powerful God who would protect him from those evil spirits like the headhunters of his ancestors that protected the village and he could not understand why a God who was supposed to be powerful would let people do this to his son and so he felt this growing hatred Toward God. He threw the gospel of Mark on the ground and started walking home. And while he did, it's as though the Holy Spirit started speaking uh, uh, to his heart. And so he went back and he picked up that copy of Mark's gospel, sat on that rock again and kept reading. He came to the resurrection. And all of a sudden it made sense to him that, that it wasn't because God was was powerless or or something, but God had a great love that he had sent his son and his son had died and then been raised from the dead because he loved, he loved us and he loved Nard and Nard gave his heart to Jesus that day. When that missionary returned to the Philippines, he moved to a different part of the Philippine Islands and he took Nard with him so Nard could go to school. Later, Nard became an aviator, started flying planes for Wycliffe and, and started working with the Wycliffe Bible translators. And so you go ahead a few years. People in his home village had become followers of Jesus. And one day, Nard and his now wife loaded um, 500 copies of the entire New Testament in the language of Nard's people, that village. 500 copies of the, of the New Testament and their language loaded them in boxes and put them on the plane and he and his wife flew to his home village. And when the plane landed, his relatives came out to greet him. They helped him unload those boxes. They didn't know what was in them. And his sister lifted one of those boxes and was carrying it on her head. And he, and he, he said to her, do you know what that is? And she said, it's, it's just a box. And he said, with the New Testament in our language. And his sister, who was a new believer, her eyes lit up. And she lowered that box from her head and she hugged it tightly. And she said, are you serious? I'm, I'm going 
to have my own copy of the New Testament in our own language? Brothers and sisters, so often you and I who have multiple copies of the Bible in our homes, who've been going to church for years and have heard the stories time and time again, so often we take for granted the blessings that are available to us in God's word. We're like that. We're like Arlo, that young married man. There's all the treasures of those $20 bills hidden throughout the word of God, and we don't know it. Psalm 119 tells us about many, many of the blessings that God's word brings to us. Just in these brief 11 verses this morning, we've discovered that God's word, when we engage with it and apply it to our lives and live in keeping with the word of God, helps us be blessed and happier. Helps us have stability, gives us the strength and is a safeguard against sin and helps us stay close to Jesus Christ. If you feel distant from Jesus, if you're struggling with temptation and sin, if you're wondering what the purpose of your life is and, and you find yourself making some bad decisions and not having a lot of stability, I encourage you, I urge you, I plead with you, begin reading God's word every day, not just to learn stuff, but to meet Jesus and let him change your life. Follow our Bible reading plan here at First Baptist Church. Go to Sunday school, go to life group, go to worship. Listen to my devotions that come out every Monday through Friday morning at 5 a.m. That, that where I just share what God's been saying to me about the chapter our church is reading that day. You can get our Bible reading plan on our church website. We also post it on our social media platforms every week. But you are responsible for feeding yourself. And when you don't, you are robbing yourself of these blessings we've discussed today and many, many others. Oh, I pray you come to know the blessings of engaging daily with the Word of God. Your life will be different. God bless you. I'll see you next Sunday.